Our scripture today comes to us from Mark chapter 12, verses 28 through 31. It says, One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, Of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There's no commandment greater than these. Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Good morning. What an amazing day already. If you're a guest here with us today, thank you so much uh, for being here. Uh, you, you've walked into a family meeting today, uh, and it's a, it, it's a beautiful thing. Perfect Sunday to be here. For those of you who, watch, who are watching online and on television, thank you so much for tuning in. And for those of you in the room, would you give our online and television audience a big hand and welcome them? Yeah. One announcement as we're getting started uh, here this morning. Um, I'm very excited. Uh, on November 29th, you want to put this on your calendars, November 29th, that's a Sunday. Uh, it's the first Sunday of Advent. We're going to start a 20-week sermon series. Yes, that's right, 20 weeks through the Gospel of Matthew. It's going to take us all the way to the Sunday after Easter. And so, uh, so excited about this journey that we're going to take as a church. You're going to hear more about that as we're going to have reading plans uh, to go along uh, with that series. We'll have points of prayer along the way. We are so excited, and it's going to lead up to a holy week uh, as we get ready to celebrate Easter, where we're going to have a service every single day of the week of Holy Week. So go ahead and clear your calendars. I know you're going to want to be here. It's going to be good. It's going to be a fantastic journey. Um, also, uh, today is Commitment Sunday, as we have said. I think there's no better day uh, to have Commitment Sunday than when we're celebrating all of those who have gone before us. Uh, we, we are standing on their shoulders. Uh, the people who we celebrate today have paved the way for us to be here, sit in this room, and do what we do, and we are so thankful. Also today is the International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church. We're reminded today that there are Christians all around the world they do not get together like this. They do not get to walk around and carry Bibles. They don't. They don't get to walk around with commitment cards with the name of Jesus on them. They don't. But we do. And I'm so thankful for the freedom that we have in this country to come and worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And so we want to remember them in prayer as well. As we get started, would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for this moment right here, right now. Wow, what a morning. Lord, we thank you for all those who have gone before us, who have finished their race. We thank you for all of their labors because we are the beneficiaries of those. 
Thank you, Lord. Lord, we lift up the church, your universal church, all around the world, especially those who are persecuted today. Lord, I thank you that your hand is upon them. May you keep them safe. May the gospel continue to spread as it is doing rapidly. Lord, would you continue to bless your church. And Lord, now would you help us receive what you have for us this morning. We pray this in Jesus' good and powerful name. And everybody said, Amen. When Emily and I were dating, we were both in college, and she worked at Hallmark, Hallmark in the mall. And I would go over, and we would have dinner, you know, in the afternoon together. And, and many times she would bring, you know, something from home, and I would bring something like, you know, a McDonald's fish sandwich. Um, you know, it was on the diet plan. And, uh, you know, but one night I said, you know, I, I want to get something nice. You know what I mean? I mean, I want to get something classy. I want to get something sophisticated, elegant. The most elegant thing I could think of was seafood. So I said, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get seafood. And that's what I did. I went and picked up the seafood and walked into the mall, headed to Hallmark, carrying not one, but two bags Two bags, seafood. I walked in and people started noticing my bags. They could, they could tell I really went out of my way for this one, you know. And I, I knew what they were thinking. There was a young couple about my age, and I, I knew that knew exactly what they were thinking. Uh, you know, she looked at the bags and she thought, oh, my boyfriend brought bought me heavenly ham. I wish I had seafood. The boyfriend was thinking, oh, should have bought her seafood. That guy knows what he's doing. I knew it. Saw a gentleman a little older than me. He, he looked over, saw me carrying not one but two bags of seafood. I mean, you're talking about shrimp, crab. I, I knew what he was thinking. He was saying, ooh, man, he splurged. He knows how to take care of his woman, yeah? So I didn't walk into Hallmark. I strutted into Hallmark. And I strutted into Hallmark with my two bags from Captain D's. Yeah, yeah, that was me. Most expensive place in town. And I'd ordered a deluxe seafood, okay? Again, this is sophisticated food here. Deluxe seafood. I put Emily's down as probably some, you know, baked something with broccoli. And, but I ordered right. I mean, I got a deluxe seafood. And you know what a deluxe seafood is from Captain D's? I mean, you're talking about fish. You're talking about shrimp. You're talking about crab-ish meat. I mean, you're talking about French fries. This is good stuff. The only thing not fried is the coleslaw, right? And so, so I walk in, and I get Emily's plate ready, and I, I pull mine out of the bag, oh, and it's heavy. Oh, this is good. It, it, it's heavy. This is wonderful. A deluxe seafood is supposed to be heavy. Are you with me? And, and then I, I sit it on the table, and then I smell it. Oh, the grease. Oh, it's fabulous. I had a chest pain right then, and I just ignored it. And, and then, I, then I opened it up. In Houston, we have a problem. 
because I don't have a deluxe seafood. Oh, no, 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 no. I got a few pieces of overcooked fish and about 500 french fries. Captain D's let me down. Big date night. So I did what any Christian would do, and that is I harbored hard feelings for a few years and talked bad about them behind their back. And uh, some of you will get that on the way home. <laughs> Have you ever really been disappointed in life? Not fast food disappointment. No. I mean real disappointment. You ever really been let down? Disappointment happens when there's a gap between what we expected and what was delivered. Disappointment happens when there's a gap between what we thought would happen, what was agreed upon, and what actually happened. It's when promises are made but not kept. It's when vows are verbalized but then broken. It's when it seems like a commitment is forged and then seemingly forgotten. We all know what it's like. We all know what it's like to some degree to be let down, to be disappointed. We all know what it's like when someone else does not keep their commitment. Two truths about commitment. Number one is this, is that commitment is counter-cultural. It always has been. There is a bit of a nostalgia, it seems, about thinking about the good old days when people seem to keep their commitments. But the truth is, is we've been breaking our commitments since Adam and Eve. In fact, we've been breaking them so much when someone does keep their commitment, it stands out and we applaud and celebrate it. Not only that, though, it, it seems like today we celebrate something else. It seems like today we celebrate commitment breaking. Uh, it, it's as if we idolize those who have maybe uh, broken off from the facade of mundane life, the nonconformist who break commitments, and we make movies out of it. And we buy those tickets to see those movies. Commitment breaking is everywhere. Isaiah 5.20 warns us. Isaiah said, What sorrow for those who say that evil is good and good is evil. Commitment is countercultural. Number two, commitment is a challenge. Commitment's hard. It's hard seems like commitments are easy to make, but not so easy to keep. I think we have the same problem as the people of Israel in the time of the judges. In Judges 21, 25, it said, In those days Israel had no king, and all the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. That was written a long time ago, not yesterday. So commitment is countercultural, yes, and commitment is a challenge, yes, but something happens, something happens when we make a commitment and we keep our commitment. 
You see, this is what God does for us. This is what God does for each and every one of us. He, he is a promise-making, promise-keeping God. He does it over and over. God loves making commitments because He loves delivering on those commitments. Isaiah 26.3 says that God will keep at perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast on Him. He promised that. He loves keeping that promise. Deuteronomy 31 verse 8 famous verse, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He still keeps that promise, that commitment to this day. Isaiah 40, 29, he says, I will give you strength when you are weary. Psalm 32, verse 8, says that he will instruct us and he will teach us in the way that we should go. We are not left in this life without a guide. He loves guiding us. He still does it. He still does it. Isaiah 41, verse 13, God says, do not fear. I will help you. No matter, the situa no matter the situation, no matter what you're going through, I will help you. Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, Jesus said, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. God loves to make a commitment, and he loves to keep that commitment. And when we keep our commitments, we reflect the nature of this commitment-making and commitment-keeping God. But what does that look like? How do we do that? What does it look like to make and keep a commitment? Big picture, if you will. I want to give you one verse, 13 words in this one verse, powerful verse. It is Psalm 37, verse 5. Psalm 37, verse 5 says, commit your way to the Lord. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him. And something's going to happen. He will act. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him, and He will act. You know, words have pictures behind them. Words have pictures behind them. This word, commit. When, when the psalmist wrote this word, commit, here's what he wanted you to see in your mind. Commitment, the picture, means to roll a large stone. To roll a large stone. You ever see anybody roll a stone? They get behind it. They heave it over. Stones normally aren't perfectly round unless you're watching the Flintstones, and then that's fake, so it's not real. So roll it, and it just falls to the left. You, you roll it again, it falls to the right. You roll it again, it falls to the right. But here's what the psalmist wants you to think, wants you to see. Commitment means to roll a large stone, meaning all that I am, all that I have, I'm constantly moving in God's direction. You see, commitment is countercultural. See, the culture says, culture says, pull as much as you can to you. Right? Get as much money as you can. You get as many stocks as you can. Buy as much land as you can, as many things as you can, as many friends as you can. No, no. no. The psalmist says, oh no, no. Commitment is constantly pushing all that you are, all that you have toward the Lord. It's one of the reasons why we celebrate All Saints Sunday. All these candles that represent beautiful lives of people who pushed what they had toward the Lord. Do they do it perfectly? No, and you're not going to either. But we celebrate what they did, and we actually benefit from it. The fact that we're sitting in this room, and there's an air conditioner that I wish was a little bit lower, but that's okay. I'm not complaining. We benefit from them committing, pushing all that they had 
and who they were toward the Lord. Commitment is hard. Commitment is heavy. Commitment is not easy. Commitment means there's going to be some discomfort. Commitment means that there's going to be some inconvenience. Jesus knew a lot about discomfort. Sleeping on a dusty floor. Jesus would go out on a boat ride and there'd be more water in the boat than outside the boat, it seemed like. Jesus understood inconvenience. It seemed like every time he tried to go somewhere, somebody rudely interrupted him with some important need. And he would give them his attention. Commitment takes sweat and tears. It does. Jesus knew about sweat and tears. In a garden, he prayed and there were drops of blood. He looked at Jerusalem and wept. When was the last time? He looked at Montgomery and wept. The river region and wept and said, I want to reach them for Christ. Commitment is hard. But here's why we do it. We commit because we trust in Him. You only commit to what you trust. We commit because we trust. You know what trust means. It means you have confidence in. You have confidence in Him. So many times it seems like when life gets a little dark, we, we want to maybe move on, say that God thing didn't work out. I love what Corey Ten Boom said. Corey Ten Boom said, when a train goes through a tunnel and it gets dark, you don't throw away the ticket and jump off. No, you sit still and you trust the engineer. And when life gets a little dark for us, we stay committed. Stay committed. Keep moving all that we have, all that we are toward the Lord. We stay committed, but we trust the master engineer. We commit because we trust. And then the promise is, oh, when, when you commit because you trust, God will act. He will act, and he will never let you down. I make you that promise. He will never let you down. That is not a promise of the absence of pain. It's the promise of the presence of a Savior in the midst of whatever pain may come. But he'll never let you down. And he will walk with you every step of the way. And he will do amazing things through committed people who trust him. Whenever it comes to commitment, I've had conversation after conversation. And even though it's verbalized in different ways for different people, people will say, I'm not sure I want to commit because I'm not sure what the Lord will ask of me. I'm not sure I want to fully commit my life because I'm not sure what God will require or call me to do. Can I tell you that God will never ask you to do anything, anything that he has not already done for you. Oh, he won't. Look at our verse today. Commit your way to the Lord. Commit, and in our context, to loving God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Commit your way to the Lord. It means to roll a large what? Stone. Roll a large what? It was Jesus who went to a cross. It was Jesus who was put in a tomb. Three days later, Jesus was in that tomb. What was covering that tomb? Oh. What happened to that stone? It, oh. 
Yeah, he's already done that for you. He's already moved a large stone so that you do not have to experience death eternal. So that these people, oh, we celebrate life and life everlasting. And then he just comes to us and says, will you commit? Will you move, roll a large stone? Will you move all that you are, all that you have toward me? Because I've already rolled the large stone for you. I really think what the Lord is asking us today is will you commit to me as much as I have committed to you? Will you be as committed to me as I have been, as I am, and as I will be committed to you? That is a question that only you can answer. Mama can't make you answer that one. Only you. Only you. And I think that's what's before us. Will we as individuals, will we as a church, be as committed to God as God has been, is, and will be committed to us? He's not going to ask us to do anything He's not already done. But we would continue to roll all that we have, all that we are, in God's direction. And sit back and watch Him act in powerful ways. Powerful ways. God is good. God is so good. And He has an amazing future for us. I believe it with all my heart.